0: Do you know the purpose and role of the remnant? As we consider the future role of the remnant, we find that the narrative portrays two mighty armies that are struggling for ultimate control and power. One represents the world ruled by Satan, and the other is the army of God. Both are identified as a powerful remnant. We first meet the remnant of Satan before the flood. When the Nephilim were on the earth, those were the mighty men who were of old men of a name. That's in Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. The Nephilim were giants of huge proportion who were identified as giborim, that is, exceptionally strong and powerful, translated mighty men. We see that these Nephilim were mighty men with a name. Whose name. Well, the name is implied. The name is Satan. They belong to Satan. The purpose of the flood was to destroy this giant enemy, as well as to preserve a godly remnant in Noah and his family. Here, at the beginning of the biblical narrative, we see the initial formation of the two armies because all the giants were not destroyed. Some remained as a remnant for Satan. The contrast between the two armies is stark and startling. The army of Satan is comprised of mighty men who are physically powerful. The army of God will be like Noah, righteous, blameless, and walking with God. We will explore this army of Satan by finding the Hebrew word that has been translated mighty men, which is giborim. We see, for example, that Goliath, who was one of these giants, is described as Gibor. David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion, Goliath, was dead, they fled. Champion is the translation for the Hebrew word gibor, meaning very strong and powerful, hence a hero or champion. Goliath was part of this remnant of Satan's giants. We often wonder how large Goliath actually was, Ancient Jewish commentaries, such as Josephus and the Dead Sea Scrolls, give his height as somewhere between 7 and 10 feet tall. However, the message is what is important. David's victory was due not to worldly weapons or tactics, but to his confidence that God was directing the battle. Another encounter with these giants, which helps us understand the method of warfare for which God is preparing his people, takes place during the wilderness wandering after the exodus from Egypt. Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land to gather information about the enemy. When the spies returned, listened to their report that bred fear among God's people. The people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are walled and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Nephilim, the sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. After hearing this terrifying news about giants in the land, the Israelites refused to enter the promised land in battle. This account occurred shortly after the exodus from Egypt. It would take 40 years of training in the wilderness before Moses sent Joshua and Caleb to spy out the land once again. This time, the people were ready to fight the enemy. Then we see Og of Bashan, the king who was defeated by Moses and the children of Israel as they were approaching the promised land after 40 years of wilderness training. We learn that Only Og of Bashan was left of the remnant of the Rephaim. Rephaim is another name for the Nephilim. The phrase, only Og was left, does not mean he was the only remaining giant. Left, in Hebrew, is a word for the remnant, Sha'ar. Thus, Og was one of the giants in the remnant army of Satan. He was so large that he required an iron bedstead, whose dimensions were six feet wide and 13 feet wide long we read that in deuteronomy chapter 3 verse 11. as we continue to explore the metaphorical nature of the biblical narrative god's army now begins to emerge we are continuing to search for the hebrew word giborim which describes both satan's army as well as god's remnant although the two have distinctly different characteristics Satan is cultivating a remnant of giant mighty men who are physically strong. God is also at work building an army of mighty men, but the might and power of God's army is not in physical size, but in righteous faith in God. We see, for example, that all those who left Egypt under the leadership of Moses were Giborim. That's in Exodus twelve thirty-seven, which is amazing. All of the children of Israel when they left Egypt were were these mighty, mighty people. They were not yet an army, but they obeyed God by picking up and simply walking away from their servitude, which must have taken immense courage and faith in the Lord. The narrative portrays them as mighty men for God. David is another example of one who is Gibor. When God selected a king from the sons of Jesse, david was that son scripture describes david as a skillful musician a mighty man of valor a warrior one prudent in speech and a handsome man that's in 1 samuel 16:18. a mighty man of valor is gibor Hayil. two words that both mean very strong thus forming double emphasis to convey the sense of very very strong David was a warrior whose defeat of the Philistines led to the formation of the kingdom of Israel. We remember that God's remnant must be able to overcome the enemy in battle. The biblical narrative symbolically portrays the victorious battle against God's enemy in the account of the battle of Jericho, which is prophetic of a future battle that has not yet occurred. At Jericho, the army of God included all those who had successfully passed through 40 years of instruction and testing in the wilderness. The army was led by priests who are holding the Ark of the Covenant, which is the law of God. The battle at Jericho was won not by worldly might and measures, but by faith in the Lord God. The prophets offer further information on the coming battle using artistic language that is often prophetic. For example, the prophet Zechariah uses poetic language that evokes a future mighty battle. The Lord of hosts has visited his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them like his majestic horse in battle. From them will come the cornerstone, from them the tent peg, from them the bow of battle, from them every ruler, all of them together. They will be as mighty men, giborim, treading down the enemy in the mire of the streets in battle, and they will fight, for the Lord will be with them. That's Zechariah chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. In this poetic passage of Zechariah, the Messiah is the cornerstone. He is also the tent peg that symbolically holds firm the house where God's people dwell. It is God's army that wields the bow of battle as they serve under the command of the Messiah. Since the remnant is comprised of the righteous, like Noah, they are the ones who will bear fruit for god isaiah expands on this theme the surviving remnant of the house of judah will again take root downward and bear fruit upward for out of jerusalem will go forth a remnant and out of mount zion survivors this powerful imagery portrays a vivid agricultural scene with symbolic implications first our attention is drawn down to roots that are growing thick and firm These roots hold the plant steady so it cannot be moved. Once the roots are strong, our attention then turns to an upward direction where the plant is growing to bear fruit for God. Who are the ones that are growing from the strong root of Christ to bear fruit for God? They are a remnant if you wish to learn more about the remnant, I have written a series of four books on the remnant that you can find on Amazon. I recommend that you read them in order, starting with Israel's inheritance, then moving on to a, a, a remnant of the church. The third book is the role of the remnant in the Great Tribulation and the Millennial Kingdom, and ending with exciting disclosures and the end of time revealed in Israel's fall festivals.